Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. These are life-giving messages from our church here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you for joining with us. We hope you enjoy this message today. Let's get into it. So we're going to be doing this last message of this Live Better series. And we started off this whole concept at the beginning. We did it on the last day, actually, of, uh, of last year. We started this series. And we're talking into getting a vision for living better in 2024. So that's what we're going to be speaking into today. And um, I'm just going to share this verse with you first of all. And it's in Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16. And it says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So just get that concept right at the start of this verse. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, complaining, having a moan. I think, uh, I think it's something that every single one of us has been to to some extent, maybe this morning. Maybe it was like getting into the car and just having a little moan about this 20 degrees weather or whatever it is. It's like we are so in our nature as humans to almost see the cynical, to see the negative. And I think one of the ways that we, church, need to be looking to live better in 2024 is to try and deal with this human nature in us. To say, we're not going to be those that complain, that grumble, that see the negative, but we've got to get vision for it. And that's what God wants to do today. So I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to get into this message. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this truth today. I thank you, Lord, that you've got vision for us to live better this year. And I pray, God, Lord, that as we open your word, may it illuminate, Lord, things in our lives. May it bring conviction. May it bring encouragement. May it bring hope to us, Lord, as we renew ourselves, Lord, as we align with this truth today. We give you all the glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, um, guys, you can take a seat. Thank you so much. So, we had the most amazing time in Cape Town. It was brilliant. Such a great time away with the team. But did you know that actually our team, they left on the Thursday, not this week, but the week before, and uh, it was tornado day. Uh, was it a Thursday? No, maybe it was Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. And so it was, remember we got the notification, there's a tornado. Well, the team were meant to be taking off that day to go uh, and so they arrived at the airport, and there's a delay for the tornado. I mean, you're not too mad, are you, when they start to delay and there's a tornado out there? You're like, do you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine waiting inside in the warm. It's okay. Uh, and so the team are then waiting, and they wait um, hour after hour. Then they get onto the plane, uh, and they then wait a little bit longer. They say, no, actually, we're going to get you all off. It's still not safe. And then they go back into uh, to the airport and they say, okay, we're just going to wait another 20 minutes. And then it turns into another hour. Then they get them all back onto the plane again. And right, we're going to be taking off in 15 minutes. And then another 15 minutes passes and it just stretched on and on. And the team were flying up to Boston and then from Boston to Amsterdam in the Netherlands in Europe and then down from Amsterdam to Cape Town. So they had a long day ahead and it just got a bit longer. But if you've done any international flying, you'll know that you don't, don't want to miss your connecting flight because it's like a domino effect. And because of the tornado and the delay and the stretching, they ended up missing their second flight, which meant instead of going off to Cape Town, they had a night in Boston. It's not quite what you're imagining for a mission trip, really. Um, but they ended up in Boston. 
And, you know, plans have been changed. Things are happening. Uh, and so they are kind of in this stretch and this challenge. And one of the things I was talking to Rose about, and she was saying to me that there was no complaining. There was no grumbling. They were, in fact, different to that. They were thankful. Thankful, oh, well, we're safe, aren't we? That's the main thing. And then there was talk of the group having to split and go to one different route and one different route, but they stayed together. Oh, we're thankful that we're, we're all managed together. And then at midnight, they had a pizza party in Boston, which was great. They got some pizzas in and they celebrated. And it's like, that's what I want our posture to be, church. That when a tornado comes your way, when things happen and plans get messed up, we can still choose to be grateful. We can still choose to see the good things that God has blessed us with. And I think about how even in this verse here, it says, do everything without grumbling. It's actually more than that. It's not just about stopping from complaining. It's actually from filling it with something else. And that's thankfulness and gratitude. And that's what we're going to be speaking into today. I believe that God is going to rewire some of our thinking in this. Because if you know anyone that is a bit of a moaner, oh, it's hard to be around them. It kind of just takes away energy from you. You spend time with them and it's almost you feel depleted after. Because there's something about someone who complains and is negative and moans that it actually it takes life from you. But if you're a person that comes and you choose thankfulness. You choose to give God thanks. You choose to praise him. You choose gratitude. You're a person that gives life. People actually feel the opposite being around you. They get life from you because it's coming from you. But sadly, we have all been those people where we've seen the negative, where we become cynical, when we can complain or moan or fall into that habit of behavior. But I believe as the people of God that we're called to live a higher way. We're called to live better. I want to be more grateful in 2024 than I was in 2023. Anyone else? Yeah? So we have to choose gratitude. We have to come and say, how are we going to practice thankfulness? And actually, this is something that's so important to us as a church. We actually wrote it into our DNA, our, our core values. So this one's called Everything's a Gift, and it's all about the power of gratitude. And it says, we intentionally celebrate and give thanks. We shake off complacency and entitlement to overflow with gratitude for God, our lives, and one another. Practicing thankfulness gives us a joy that will sustain us. I love that, those, um, I love that text. I love the idea and the concept of this. Because this is who we're striving to be as a church. We want that when you get together with our people, there is a joy. Maybe it's your first time here today and you thought, what, what's going on? That's, you know, some shouting going on. There's some, some people jumping up and down. It's because we're intentionally celebrating and giving thanks. It's who we are as a people. That's who our church is called to be. We're going to be a grateful people. And you actually have to contend and fight for that sometimes. It's not just, oh, I just always feel great. And everything just always goes my way and there's never any trouble. No, but I'm always going to choose to celebrate that God is on his throne. That he is sovereign over all things. That he's been good to me. I'm going to choose to look at those things despite my circumstances. And when I do that, it fuels the praise within me. In fact, it says this um, in Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter his courts with thanksgiving. There's something about when we come 
into his presence, whether it's a time of prayer or whether it's a time of worship, we're going to start with gratitude. We're going to practice thankfulness. We are a praying church. And I I don't know if uh, you know that yet about who we are as a church because we just launched in September. And so there's some things that we're still kind of growing. And Rose obviously talked about starting groups soon. But we are a praying church. We're going to be doing more about that very soon. Uh, where we're going to be starting some prayer meetings and really um, having times of prayer together. But almost all those prayer meetings will always begin with thankfulness, gratitude. Let's start praising God for who he is and what he's done. Because we believe in this verse that we enter his courts, his presence. We come before him with thanksgiving, with gratitude. But why don't we always do that? What sometimes stop stops our thankfulness from coming out of us. I think one of the things is entitlement, is that we get this feeling when something's happening that we deserve better than this. And so we start to have this kind of attitude form in us that feels like what I've received or what I'm experiencing isn't fair. But if we're the people of God and we choose humility, we then don't feel so entitled. And so there's something that God is wanting to speak into us all today and say, he wants to set our hearts and our mouths towards thankfulness this year. And I think this is going to be a great foundation for us, church, because we can so get caught into this world of cynicism. If you think about logging on to any kind of form of social media, it will not be long before you come inundated with complaint, argument, cynicism. Okay, it just fires away. In fact, the algorithms kind of fire more towards that direction coming up in your feeds often because there's something that we're drawn to, critical nature. We're drawn to that cynicism. And then it strengthens opinions within us. Where, how much do you see like people just being grateful all the time for all these good things? But there's something around us as the church that we need to have a different narrative. We need to have a different voice. And so, I believe that that's what God's going to be calling us to today. He wants to strengthen that conviction within us. So I'm going to share some different stories in the Bible where thankfulness turns up in some surprising places if you're looking from the world's view. Okay, some ways that thankfulness and gratitude come in a way that it doesn't seem like a very thankful situation. And yet, there is a choice to still praise God, to still thank Him. So we're going to look at some different characters and some different moments where this happens. And the first one is Daniel. So Daniel, he is a counsel to the king of Babylon. You know Daniel in the lion's den? Yeah, that story, you remember that one? Well, he, the way it starts is that he is this counsel, he is this king's aide, and he has uh, got favor and success with the king. And those around uh, that are other counselors, they start to become jealous of Daniel's wisdom and his favor. And so what they start to do, they come up with a plot and a plan to take him out, to deal with him. They know he's a praying man. So they say, right, why don't we convince the king, while Daniel's not listening and not looking, about this whole idea that you could only pray to the king, because they knew that he always prayed to God. And so there was uh, punishment by death if you were to commit against uh, praying only to the king. And so Daniel hears this, and this is what happens. In Daniel 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day 
And he prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. So Daniel is here doing the same thing that he was doing before. He's not a fool. In fact, he's incredibly wise. That's one of the things he's known for. He knows that this law is not just about the king, but to oppose him. But what he chooses to do is he gives thanks even when he faces opposition. Have you ever felt that, that darkness around you sometimes when things are against you? Maybe things in a workplace and it's like, man, that that just feels like opposition. What is this struggle that I'm going through? And what we can do sometimes in our own human way is that we start to feel sorry for ourselves. Maybe we can start to feel resentful. Maybe we can start to feel bitter because of what we're going through when we feel that opposition come against us. But Daniel doesn't do this. He gives thanks in the face of opposition. They're literally making a plan to kill him. You think you might be praying about that. God, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. And it's like, instead, he's still giving thanks to God. And that's our example. This is what we have in Scripture to try and give us direction in life, church, that we need to think like that. And one of the things that we need to remember often is that when we feel that opposition, there's something bigger going on. Because if you know the story of Saul in Acts 9, he's going towards the church to persecute them, to make arrests, to crush the early church. And so he's on his way to do that. And then suddenly Jesus meets him. And Jesus has already been on the cross. He is then risen from the dead and he's ascended to heaven. But Paul who was Saul at the time, before he had a new name, he had this encounter with Jesus. And he literally gets knocked over to the ground and he's like, who are you? It's Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, this guy was not going to arrest Jesus because he'd already gone to heaven. He was going to arrest members of the church. But what Jesus is saying in this moment is you're persecuting me. And so often when we're going through something, we think about, oh, the, the enemy's opposing me. Actually, what he's opposing is Christ in you. And that's why that sometimes you come up against things and it feels difficult and there's tension and that feels like an enemy. It's Christ in you. Jesus doesn't say, I, I'm Jesus and you're persecuting my church. He says, you're persecuting me. Because it's Christ in us that the enemy wants to come after And the enemy wants us to curse Christ, but we got to choose to bless him. Even when we feel the opposition, we're going to still give thanks, church. But are we going to be those people? Or when the things come against us, when things get difficult and we feel opposition, do we start to become cynical and negative and complain and grumble? I believe that God's calling us to greater than that today. The next uh, one I want to bring you to is Jonah. Now, Jonah gets this call. He's a prophet, and he gets this call from God to go to Nineveh. And so he ends up uh, saying, I don't want to do that, and going the opposite direction. He gets on a boat and is sailing the other way, and a huge storm comes. And Jonah confesses to the whole crew, the, the reason this storm is here is me. I'm the problem here. They end up throwing him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish or a whale, or something like that, and he's in the belly of a whale. What a day! He's already been in this horrible storm, and then he gets thrown overboard, but instead of just dying immediately, he's now in the belly of a fish. I mean, this is one crazy day. I don't imagine it smelled too good in there. 
It's like, can you imagine, like, what's next for me? Why am I still alive? What's going on? You've got so many questions. And this is Jonah's response. Instead of feeling self-pity or getting angry with God, this is what he says. It says in Jonah 2 verse 9, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is his prayer in the belly of the fish. Right in the depths of the ocean, this is what he's crying out. He's saying, I, with the voice of thanksgiving. Man, I think that there's something so inspiring about this truth today. That we need to give thanks in the darkest of times. I don't think you get much darker than being in the, in the ocean, in a fish's mouth, not knowing what's going on. And still he's there, choosing thankfulness in the, be- in the belly of a whale. This is wild. Great story. You should read it if you, haven't, uh, you don't know this one. But there's something amazing and inspiring about this truth. That even when things are dark, that we need to still choose thankfulness like Jonah did. And sometimes when that darkness closes in on us, It starts to silence us, but we need to still keep praising him and speaking his faithfulness and his goodness over our lives. Now, the next one I want to bring you to is Hannah, and Hannah was the mother of Samuel, the prophet, and she was uh, struggling with infertility. She couldn't have her own child, and so what that meant was that she, her heart just broke for wanting to have a child, and she earnestly went to God and she prayed and she poured out her heart and she was crying to God so desperate to be able to conceive and she made a promise to God give me this child and I will give the child back to you and God miraculously provides this child and she's able to have a son and his name is Samuel and so she takes care of him this little baby and she sees him walk his first steps and she sees him speak his first words and I'm sure she loved him with all of her heart but then once he was weaned he's probably about three years old it was then time to go and take him to the priest Eli where she would promised that he would serve and it's time to drop him off and I'm thinking, if that was me, I'm thinking, God, you know, I know I probably got carried away in that moment, God. You know, I said I was going to give him to you, but this is too hard. Like, I, I don't want to go through with this. And can you imagine the heartbreak of taking this little boy after having the miracle of having him to say, I'm now going to hand him over to the priest to start to uh, go on his journey of serving in the, in the house of God. Quite remarkable. So I'm thinking that's going to be a response perhaps of Hannah. But this is what she says, okay? And we see this in 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 to 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. She chooses rejoicing instead of mourning. How amazing is that? Because the joy of having her child is greater than that of having to hand him over. And there is something so powerful about this truth that we need to all get today, is that we need to give thanks in the face of loss. We will all go through loss at points in our lives. And it's not to say that we don't feel grief, that we don't feel loss, that we don't feel sadness, but it's that we don't only feel those things. That you allow the power of gratitude to carry you through those moments, that you can still choose thankfulness. 
Do we think that Hannah really didn't feel some sense of grief or sadness about having to go and take her little boy over to Eli, the priest? No, it was there, I'm sure. But what we hear from her is rejoicing. Rejoicing. And when we start to use our words, okay, to actually defy our circumstances, they become weapons. Words become weapons when they defy circumstances. That you might be feeling something or that the experience around you, what you're encountering, can feel dark, challenging, difficult. But then you start speaking out thankfulness and gratitude. It's like a weapon in your hands. Instead of being consumed by the situation, you get to fight it a little bit. And that starts happening through giving thanks to God. And it puts you on a different footing. They defy circumstances because instead of speaking out what your situation is like, you start speaking out that I'm still grateful. And it opposes what's going on, what's happening around you. The next one I want to bring us to is we mentioned Saul earlier. I want to come back to when he has become Paul by this point and he is teaching and and traveling from nation to nation. And at this point, he's been arrested and he is on a ship and he is heading towards Caesar because he is making this great journey to make an appeal to Caesar. And so what happens is that this man, Paul, he's a great apostle of God. He ends up writing a third of the New Testament. He has started new churches. God has done miracles through him. We have a third of the New Testament today because of Paul. You're thinking, this guy is just going to have the most favored life. You know, it's like he's just going to be able to, any doors that he walks through are opened, etc. But Paul goes through so much opposition and difficulty. And so he's on this boat and a storm comes and it is extreme. Okay, this storm goes on for two weeks. And it's so discouraging and depressing that the crew, who are these experienced sailors, there's 276 on board altogether, they stop eating because they just lost heart and they've lost hope. Now, guys, two weeks is almost hard to fathom. I went on a fishing boat. It was meant to be four hours and we didn't catch any fish. So they kept us out for five hours instead. And it was some of the worst moments. It was so difficult. I was throwing up. My sons were throwing up. And I was just like, get me out of here. And that was just choppy water in the Dominican Republic. Can you imagine being in a storm? No wonder they didn't want to eat for two weeks. It's like they, it was just such a difficult situation going on day after day, night after night, thinking that your life is over. And so Paul is here enduring the storm with everybody else. And let's see how he responds in the situation. It says in Acts 27, verses 33 to 35, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Now, Paul's already told them that the whole boat is going, is going to wreck. Okay, so he's like, hey, you're going to be okay, but the boat's finished, all right? So after he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Now you've got this amazing moment here because Paul is giving thanks in the unknown. It's like, hey, you're going to survive. Okay, r- really? Like, look, these weren't believers. They were those that were just had nothing else to trust, and so they trusted Paul. There was the unknown there. It was like, okay, we're going to survive, but you said the ship's going to fall apart. So 
how are we going to get there? Can you give me a bit more detail, Paul? I need, I need more of a plan here. Like what, what, you know, are we going to build a raft or what's going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to be okay. It's the unknown. And there's so many of us that experience this where the unknown is ahead of us, where we don't know maybe how this year is going to go or how that business that we started is going to pan out or how this relationship we're in is, is going to go forward. There's so much unknown. And we need to choose to give thanks in the unknown. Because when uh, they arrived on shore, so they swim and they get, and they get onto some of the uh, wreckage and they manage to float towards the shore and they all survive, there's no one that's struggling for gratitude there. Do you know what I mean? It's like they are kissing that sand. I mean, I was doing that after five hours in the Dominican Republic. Oh, get me back there. If you can think about how much after weeks at sea, this horrible storm that they've been through, they almost lost their lives. There's no one going to be saying, oh, yeah, you know, well, glad it worked out. They will be kissing the shore. They will be so grateful. But Paul gives thanks in the storm, not after the storm. The world, the way that they do things, is that, okay, if something goes well, of course, yeah, you could, you could be grateful. That makes sense. But we, as the people of God, we're going to choose to give thanks in the storm. Not just after it. And that is the power of our faith. Believing for greater. Believing that God has us. Believing that he is faithful. That's who I want to be. That's who I want our church to be. Is giving thanks in the unknown. And then this last example is of Jesus. And Jesus has been teaching and the people are sat there and he can start to hear the pangs of the stomachs and the, the disciples are starting to say, you know, people are hungry, we need to let them go. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. And he says, well, we don't have anything. And someone says, well, actually, we've got five loaves and two fishes here. And so they have this minuscule amount of food. And this is what Jesus does with it. He says, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Now, when you're starting to give thanks, I mean, imagine this like meager offering, okay? You've got thousands of people here and it's like, right, thank you, God, for, for this food. That's not even enough to really feed the disciples and Jesus. And yet we're going to give thanks for it. This is what Jesus does. He gives thanks for this food when it's not enough. And then this is what happens. It says in Matthew 14, 18 to 21, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And one of the things we need to take away from this church is that we need to give thanks when there isn't enough. We need to give thanks when there isn't enough. It's easy to be grateful, isn't it, when we, when we have more than we need. And I can imagine almost the, what felt maybe ridiculous in the moment to be thanking God for these loaves and fishes when it's so minuscule. It's almost ridiculous how small and meager the offering is compared to the need. And yet still, Jesus shows them something really important here in this moment that's speaking to us thousands of years later. Give thanks when there isn't enough. 
If you can do that, maybe you don't have enough this month. Give thanks for what you do have rather than complaining or looking to what you don't and see what God does with it. If you change your po- the posture of your heart and you thank God, you know, there's something so important for us, church, to remember in this. Because especially when it comes to lack, we often can get caught up in talking about what we don't have. But Jesus calls us to something greater. To give thanks when there isn't enough. And see what he does with it. So I just want to finish with these three points that are going to help us action some of what we've talked about today. And the first of which is this. Practice remembering what God has done. Because we so quickly forget God's faithfulness. Is that we spend months and months asking and hoping for a miracle and wanting this provision and breakthrough. It happens... And then we quickly move on from it. And I think sometimes if we were thanking God as many times as we'd asked for something, I think it would be a far better, purer relationship. But so often we get what we want. Okay, thanks. I moved on. But your heart was yearning for this. You were asking again and again. You know, one of the things that happens with the Israelites, they get delivered out of Egypt from the yoke of slavery. They come through the Red Sea And then God closes the Red Sea on the Egyptians who were chasing them, and they've escaped. They've broken free. They have this huge party. There is dancing. There is singing. There is celebration. There's food. There's a feast. And when they are in that moment, they don't need any encouragement to be grateful, to sing songs of praise. But within days and weeks, they're starting to complain because the food isn't quite what it was when they were in Egypt. You were in slavery. You remember how God delivered you and you had these years of crying out to him. And then all of a sudden, from going dancing and celebrating, they've already forgotten the miracle that they'd experienced. Right through the Old Testament, you'll see God saying, I'm the God who delivered you out of Egypt. Because he's continuing to try and remind the Israelites what he did. When you start to look at your life and you reflect and you think about what God's done, God has been incredibly faithful to every person here. But sometimes because of our current circumstances, we get caught up and absorbed in what's right in front of us and we forget all the times that he's been good to us. I encourage you, practice remembering what God has done. Don't wait till Thanksgiving once a year to talk about his faithfulness, but do it in an ongoing way. Write it down reflect, talk about it with friends and family. Tell the stories of how he came through for you, of the provision that came your way. Because when you do that, it will fuel your gratitude and your thankfulness. The next thing that you can do is to always start with thankfulness before anything else. You know, we've got our needs, our desires, the things that we want to take to God, the things that we're asking for, the things that we're not happy about. But before you get to those things, can I encourage us, church, always start with thankfulness. Start with that first. Then bring your request to him. Bring those other things and say, God, I'm asking for this. But first of all, start with thankfulness to him. Thankfulness for who he is, that he's a father that loves you, that you're forgiven, that you have an eternity in heaven. There are things like that that they never change. They're always true, no matter what's going on in your life. 
there is always something to be grateful for, that God is on his throne, that he is sovereign, that he is powerful, that he is good. And you start taking those prayers of thankfulness towards him. Always start with thankfulness. Come first with that. And then third, to combat complaint with gratitude. You know, we are human. We're made of this flesh stuff, and it does bog us down. It can get us caught up into things where we feel cynical, where we can complain and and moan about the things that are going on in our lives. But we actually have a choice to combat those complaints, those grumbles that grow within us with gratitude. You can literally fight against it. When you feel that swell of complaint or arguing or, or cynicism, whatever it might be, combat with gratitude. Silence it with thankfulness. Maybe someone asks you how you are, and it's like the first thing is negative. Let's choose to be a grateful people. I believe that that's who God's called us to be, church. And I want to come back to this verse that we started off with today in Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And then it says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. When the stars shine, they shine all the time, right? But you might have gone, they shine at night. But the reason that you see them at night is because of the darkness. But they're always shining. And there's something about when we as a people go into the world and we are in darkness and we practice not complaining, not grumbling, not having these voices of cynicism, that the world, that's its narrative. And we start to choose thankfulness and we start choosing giving glory to God. You shine like a star in the universe because out there in the darkness, our world needs you and your voice to bring a different narrative, to come and bring something different. And so church, I want to encourage us today to say, this is not only good for you and your life and your relationship with your Father God, It's actually the world needs a different voice. The world needs your gratitude and your thankfulness because you will shine and people will see who God is through you. Amen? Amen. Okay, church, let's finish with prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this truth today. I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you, God, for your hope that you bring us. I thank you, Lord, for the life, Lord, that we have in you. And I pray, Father God, that as we reflect on this message today and even as we finish singing this song called Gratitude, Lord, build a greater heart of gratitude in us today. Lord, I know, God, that when we're going through some difficult things, God, we can lose sight of thankfulness. And I pray, Father, for every brother and sister here today that's going through a dark time. Maybe they feel like they're in a shipwreck. Maybe they feel like they're in the belly of a whale. But God, you are good and you're on your throne. You are faithful. And I pray, Lord, today, Lord, that that hope would rise up, Lord, to start speaking out, Lord, thankfulness, God, over their situation. Gratitude for who you are, despite every circumstance. And just as we finish today, church, I just want to give the chance for anyone here who would like to give their life to Jesus today. You can have salvation in him. You can have new life here today. There's an opportunity to be saved. You can pray this prayer after me. 
and your whole life can be new. You have to turn away from your old life and live his life. So if there's anyone here today and you want this gratitude, you want to come and know this life that we have in God today, you can have it. It's a free gift. But you have to believe and declare with your heart and your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you're going to give him your life. So if that's you, if you'd like to pray this prayer after me either in your heart or you can say it out loud where you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I, can, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to give into our church, you can do so by visiting freedomchurchraleigh.com and head over to the gift section. Have a great week.